Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of Grace Point Church in Atlantic, Iowa. My name is Don McLean. I'm the senior pastor here at Grace Point. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can check us out at gracepointatlantic.com. And in the meantime, grab your Bible and check out this week's sermon. Maybe seated. If I can call up our graduating seniors this morning, um, I'd like to have us all uh, join in in congratulating them on finishing their senior year of high school. So if I'm going to have Isaac, Kenzie, and Kayla. Make sure I grab all of your notes. All right. Well, congrats. You have finished your senior year of high school. I hope that this is uh, an exciting and good moment for you. Um, Sorry to bring you into public embarrassment of having to stand on stage. But we all want to celebrate in this accomplishment that you've had. By the way, Margaret, I don't think the clicker is connecting for me, so I'm going to leave it up to you this morning, okay? Don, you might have to do the same. I apologize. I change what happens, and now nothing's going to work. So, guys, I'm proud of you for finishing. I'm going to read the notes from your parents, and then we do have a gift for you. When you step down, I have your parents' notes printed out for you on top of your gifts. Uh, so find the one with your name, unless you really want, you know, Kenzie, if you really want Isaac's note, that's a little weird, but you might be able to do it. So Isaac. Isaac plans to attend Iowa State for industrial technology after graduating this year. Isaac, we are so proud of you. You have been such a blessing and joy to raise, and we are so grateful that God gave you to us 18 years ago. You've been a great son and handled being the only brother to three sisters incredibly well. They all love to be around you. You have a creative mind with a wide variety of interests that always amazes us. From Legos and robotics to quickly solving Rubik's Cubes when you were younger to doing detailed woodworking, building a computer, fixing airsoft guns, flying drones, and playing lots of frisbee golf. We're always left wondering what the next thing will be that catches your attention and keeps you occupied for hours. You are talented and teachable, and you enjoy thoroughly doing your research on things that intrigue you. Keep exploring new interests and learning as you go. You had some tough classes during your final year of high school, and you showed that you could not only do them, but you could do them well. You have also shown that you are mentally tough in sports and aren't afraid to try new things, such as playing soccer for the first time last year. You're capable of doing great things. We're excited for this next step in, in your life where you can see the rewards of working hard and being disciplined. You are a man of character and integrity, easygoing and steady, reliable and responsible, And in him, you will always have what it takes to get it done. Keep following God and growing in your relationship with him. He has great plans for your life. We will miss you this fall when you head to college, but we know this transition is a good one. We know God will use you in the years ahead. Keep looking up. May the Lord continue to guide your ways and direct your steps in your time at Iowa State University and whatever follows. We adore you. Love, Mom and Dad. Congrats, Isaac. Kenzie Ashoff. When you were younger, you used to get so mad because you weren't a grown-up yet. 
always wanting to do all the big people things. And now here you are, you have grown into such a beautiful young lady. We know you would not want a big deal made of you. Sorry that we made you come up on stage for a big deal. <laughs> but we think you're a big deal, and we are so excited to see what the Lord has planned for your future. You have walked through many very hard trials, but you have always smiled and made others laugh and feel wanted. You've accomplished many things through your life, singing with your beautiful voice, drawing, learning to play guitar, ukulele, and piano, leading cubbies and awana, always serving in church with nursery since you were very little, soccer with dad, those are just a few. But the one thing we are most proud of you for is your walk with the Lord. Having a front seat as you grow in grace and humility is something that has encouraged us as a family, and we pray as you continue your walk that you continue to cling to him. As you are the first to say, none of the things above truly matter if he is not front and center as you step out to start your own life. He is the only truth and stability in a lost and crazy world. We are so thankful to him for you, and we love you and are so proud of you. Love, Dad, Mom, Thea, Daniel, Abby, Sarah, and Charlie Rose. Congrats, Kenzie. And Kayla Mendenhall. Proverbs 31.10 says, she is far more precious than jewels. Kayla, what can we say? You are amazing in everything you do. Congrats, sweetie. We are so proud of you. Love, your mom, dad, and Grandpa Mendenhall. And Kayla will be attending Iowa Western to pursue being a preschool teacher. Congrats on finishing high school. Now, to make your embarrassment last a little bit longer, I'd like to just read a little scripture, give you a short devotion, and then I'll pray you out, and you can can end this torture. I apologize. So in Hebrews 12, the author of Hebrews starts with, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You guys are going to go out. Worldly things are going to be very tempting. The world will try to entice you. Hold fast. Run with endurance this race towards Christ that your family and this church and that have taught you and raised you with. Remember that Christ is true and continue to work in that, right? It's, 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 going, to be, it's going to be work. It's going to be hard, but you can continue to pursue and go after Christ. Let me pray for our seniors real quick. Dear Lord, thank you so much for everything that you've given us, that uh, in this time you've given um, our students the chance to know you, um, that you have raised them up, um, that they've had families and a church body that has raised them to know you. Help them as they they continue to go through, that they can persevere, but you also preserve them in the faith because we know that you are the sovereign one who is in control of all of this. We're so thankful for you and everything you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can go down. Um, 
If your gifts are down there, remember, try to find one with your note on it. Another hand for our seniors. Now, if we can have our elder come up to pray for us this morning. I forgot to do that before the service. Sorry, Dan. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we come to you with thanks. We thank you, Lord, that um, we know that you have done and will continue to do great things in our lives, Lord. We pray, Lord, that, um, that you will help us find peace um, and comfort, Lord, knowing that you are in control of all things and that, Lord, all that you ask is that we give our worries, um, our pain, and our anxiety all to you, Lord, uh, and that, that we can know that you will lift us up and that you have a purpose for us and that you will guide us. We thank you, Lord, for the graduates today. Lord, we pray that your, your file, fire will burn within them as they leave here, Lord, and that um, you will guide them towards the purpose, Lord, that you have planned. Uh, we just pray, Lord, that they can go out and be a light to everyone around them. We pray, Lord, um, in thanks for this church, um, for the passion and the uh, excitement, Lord, that life action brought to us that has rekindled um, the love and the desire that we have to worship you. We pray, Lord, that um, you will now use us and help us, Lord, just continue to, to move forward in our love for you. Um, Lord, there are still people who are suffering and hurting, and we just pray that you will Help us to come beside them, Lord, and to show them your love and to lift them up. We pray, Lord, for Pastor Don as he comes up to give his message. Pray, Lord, that you will keep our hearts and minds open um, to hear your word. And we pray, Lord, that as Don um, heads off into his sabbatical, Lord, that you will refresh him, that you will um, continue to uh, just make stronger the love that he already has for you, Lord, and that he can use this time that, that when he comes back, he can bring that love and your message to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. Above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Good morning. I want to say congratulations to the, uh, to the grads. Uh, it's a big time in your life, so congratulations to each of you. Uh, today is AHS's graduation, so those graduating from there, congratulations to you. Big day today, and uh, the others as well with homeschool. Uh, what, a, what, a, what a joy. Thanks for letting us celebrate with you today. Um, I wanted to, before we get into the word, turn to Colossians, please. Uh, before we get into the passage, I just wanted to say thanks as well for, um, just for you, for reaching out to me um, with my brother's passing last week. 
Um, my brother Scott, if you hadn't heard, my brother, my younger brother, he's four years younger than me, uh, passed away about a week ago, a little bit more. And um, Scott had juvenile diabetes. He, uh, when he was, so in 1989, <laughs> uh, out of the blue, really, it, it, he had been a pretty healthy kid. Uh, and over the course of just a few weeks, it was less than a month, he went from healthy, he actually had a summer job working for a farmer in our area, and he was he was uh, working hard. And uh, over the course of that, about three or four weeks, he, his, his pancreas shut down. And uh, so he'd been ins completely insulin dependent ever since, and, um, or artificial insulin. And those of any of you who've ever dealt with that know that it beats us up. It really does. The thing with diabetes is it just wears your body out over time, and that's kind of what caught up with them. So if anybody had wondered on that. Um, but thank you for praying for my family, for me, and uh, for my parents, my sister. We, we appreciate that very much. And uh, yeah, thanks. Um, we are going to be in, in Colossians this morning. Um, yeah, and we're having a service later. You're like, why are you here? Aren't you? Yeah, we're we're going to have a service in June. That was kind of his, his wishes. And so um, we are in Colossians 3, like you heard. And uh, let me pray and ask for God's help with it. And then we'll, uh, we'll get right into it. Father, thank you so much for the time of worship this morning. Thank you for the grads and uh, this momentous uh, occasion in their life. We pray your blessing on them as has been done. Uh, we would ask now that you would uh, open our hearts and minds to hear from you, Lord. Uh, my prayer this morning is what I so often pray uh, before we get into the word. May the, may the words of my mouth, just this frail human being, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts, also frail human beings, be pleasing in your sight, not because they emanate from us, but because your Holy Spirit bears witness with us. We look to you now. We look to you now in Christ's name. Amen. So what now? What happens next? A lot of times we ask a question like that after something big in our lives, some big event. Uh, if we're part of a sports team, for example, and we win the championship, you know, it's just the best season we're ever part of. You win the state championship or the districts, whatever it is, and you, you know, your picture's in the paper, you get to hug the trophy, and then it's all over and you say, what now? What comes next? Or you take a big vacation, right? You save for months, you make all the reservations, all the plans, it finally comes, you have a blast, you take the pictures, you get home, what now? What happens? You know, there's a little bit of a letdown. What are we going to do next? Uh, graduations like that too, right? That's a timely one for, for this time of year. We have college grads. We have high school grads. Uh, graduations like that. You work really hard. You finally get there. You have some kind of ceremony. Maybe you wear the funny hats. You take the pictures. The day after, what now? What comes next? We deal with that sort of thing spiritually too. Same thing happens with spiritual things in our lives. Uh, last Sunday, unless you're visiting for the first time this morning, you know that last, uh, last Sunday we concluded a spiritual revival, a revival conference. Uh, we invited a group from outside, from uh, Michigan actually, called Life Action Ministries. They came and they did a, an eight-day conference with us. And it was a big event. It was a big event in many of our lives. Uh, some of you right now watching online or whom I'm talking to, the Lord spoke to you in fresh ways. Not in an audible voice, maybe it was that, but, but, but in your heart, he spoke to you. He renewed your faith. He, he gave you a new hope in, in some area where you'd been really struggling. There are certainly some here who he set you free from things that had weighed you down for years. It was a big deal. It was a big event in your life. 
And as happens with all big events, now you find yourself asking, what now? What happens next? Uh, last Sunday, so last Sunday, uh, Ryan spoke, Ryan Raymond spoke for us, and he spoke in the morning, we had testimonies in the morning, and then there was a final service, a closing service Sunday evening, and uh, there was a testimony time at that service, and, and a couple of us had a little bit of fun with, with Ryan, and uh, I remember we, we teased him that he wanted us to share testimonies, and he kept kind of inviting us, is there anyone else? And finally, you know, we kind of teased him a little bit, uh, you just, you don't have a sermon ready, <laughs> it was kind of the, was kind of the joke. Uh, he did have a sermon ready, though, and, and I knew that because he had told me several days before when he was kind of laying out the week to me and Andrew, uh, he told me, I have, a Sunday, I have a sermon that I preach on Sunday evening, and if there aren't a lot of testimonies, I'll preach that sermon, but I don't usually get to preach that sermon because usually people want to take that time to give the glory to God. And that's what happened. That's what happened here at our church. We filled up the whole sermon time with testimonies last Sunday night, so we never got to hear what Ryan would have preached. So I'm going to preach it this morning. <laughs> Not his sermon. I don't know what he would have said, and his style was really different from mine. I don't think I could pull it off anyway. But, uh, but I'm, I'm going to go to the passage he would have went to, because he did tell me what passage he would have gone to. He would have went to the one that, uh, that we just heard a few minutes ago. He would have went to uh, Colossians chapter 3. And this is a great text to go to this morning, because it answers the question, what now? Right? What comes next? Well, this passage helps us. And what it tells us is God wants us to walk in obedience. That's what we see here. If you say, what happens next? Walk in obedience. Whatever God spoke to you, it might have been something big, might have been something small, but whatever the Lord spoke to you, uh, whatever he showed you, he showed you in those services, don't put it in a box and stuff it up on the shelf now. Put it into practice. Walk in obedience to whatever God showed you during that conference. That's what comes next. And Colossians 3 is a great passage for working through what that looks like, and, and it does this by showing us the two sides of obedience. So we're going to talk about walking in obedience. Well, there's two sides to obedience, and Paul lays them out very neatly for us here in Colossians 3. Uh, I'm actually going to look at a larger passage than the one I had Emmett read. Uh, I asked him just to read the positive side, but we're going to actually start back at verse 5, we're going to look at verses 5 through 14 this morning, and there are two sides to obedience in this passage. And it's, it's not an either-or, it's a both-and. We, we both are involved with obedience. We have to do what both sides of this are talking about. So that's what we're going to look at this morning, two sides of, of obedience. And if you wonder, if we're ever, when are we going to do the baptisms? The baptisms come after. We have a couple of people who are going to be baptized. So uh, we will get to that as well. But first this. Uh, the first side, side number one uh, of obedience that we see in this text is that we need to get rid of the things that do not fit a follower of Jesus Christ. Some things don't fit. Some things are not appropriate to uh, the life of a follower of Jesus. We need to identify those things and get rid of them. That, that's our job. And, and for many of us, that may have been coming out of the conference. God identified some things we need to get rid of, and now our job is, to, is to, to work on that, to get rid of those things. And that's what Paul talks about in verses 5 through 11. And uh, he actually gives us two pictures here, word pictures, uh, of, of what this looks like. So there's kind of a double emphasis because this part is so important. Let me, let me start with the first ones. This is verses 5 through 7. Uh, Paul says, Put to death, therefore... Uh, and, and let me just back up. Verses 1 through 4, he's talking about the new self and, and who we are now in Christ. Now he's going to get practical. Put to death, therefore, 
what is earthly in you, what belongs to the earth, uh, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. For in these, you too once walked when you were living in them. So again, two pictures. The first picture he gives us in verses 5 through 7 is that we need to kill those old things. Very strong language. Kill it, he says. It's time for an execution. Take that old way of life, that old self that disobeyed God, and kill it. Put it to death. Don't accommodate it. Don't resuscitate it. Exterminate it. The language is that strong. You say, wow, Paul, for such strong language, what are we talking about? Well, he goes on to tell us, and he actually gives us a list. He says, it's this kind of stuff. Right? And he gives us a list. It's not a comprehensive list, as if these were the only five things we need to put to death. In fact, he's going to add to it in the next, uh, in the next section. Uh, but it's this sort of thing, Paul says. And so he says, uh, here's some things that don't fit the Christian life. Um, sexual immorality, impurity, passion. That word means lust. Some translations even translate it as such. Uh, evil desires and covetousness, which is idolatry. There's a name for this kind of list when you see these lists in the Bible. It's called a vice list, a list of sins, a vice list. Um, you actually find this sort of thing quite a bit in ancient literature. It's not just in the Bible you would see this. Uh, the Romans, for example, loved this kind of thing. So Paul's writing to people who live in the Roman Empire. They're very familiar with understanding morality through lists of things we shouldn't do. We always think of the Romans as this very kind of uh, libertine kind of uh, wicked sort of people and many were uh, but in terms of moral philosophy they actually loved to make lists of things human beings shouldn't do and, and paul actually i think taps into that and he gives us a list a christian vice list uh, he says don't do these things and and this particular list and as i say you can find lots of lists like this especially in the epistles this particular list hones in on sexual sins so that five items in that list they're all sexual they're, they're all related to sex in some way or another. The misuse of, the misuse of a very good gift in a sinful way. Uh, and, and so, um, you know, you look at that list. Sexual immorality, that one's clear. Impurity, that word passion means lust. Evil desires is a, a word. If you look at how it's used in other contexts, it's a sexual word. And, and so he's talking about uh, anything that is uh, sexual activity outside of that protective uh, boundary of, of, of marriage. And so lust pornography, adultery, uh, sex before marriage, sex with someone of the same gender. It, it's all wrapped up in this package of, of those first four verses. And I would argue that the fifth word applies as well. The fifth word is, it says greed or covetousness, depending on your translation. And given the context, I think that fifth one is kind of the, the capstone or the attitude with which so often uh, we, we approach sexual sin. Uh, sexual sin almost always involves some sort of a greediness. Right? It's, a, it's a using uh, of, of another person for oneself uh, or, or um, a wanting something that's not given to us, wanting a someone who has not been given to us. And so there's a, a greediness, and I think that's the way that greediness or covetousness should be read in that verse too. And so Paul hones in on a very specific one that all human beings experience to some degree or another and in some form or another, and he focuses in on that. And he says, put that kind of stuff to death. Those sorts of sins should have no place in our lives. Get rid of them, exterminate them, the same way you'd, get, you'd exterminate a termite nest if you found it in the, in the foundation of your house. Get rid of it. Why? 
What's the big deal, Paul? Why, uh, why do we have to take such drastic action? Why do we have to get rid of it so, so uh, comprehensively and so seriously? Well, he's going to give us two reasons why, right? He gives us two reasons right there in the text. Uh, the first he mentions is that God judges stuff like that. It's not without consequence, right? He says that the wrath of God is coming, not might come, but is coming upon, on account of these things, he says. So those who do not repent of these things, God, God's wrath will come upon it. Uh, sometimes we, we have this, because so often sexual sin can be secret. Sometimes it's brazen and out in the open, but a lot of times it's secret. Um, and, and so we think we're getting away with something. But Paul says here in this text, you're not getting away with something. We're not. Uh, the wrath of God will come upon such things. So what's, what's the message? Why should we get rid of them? Why should we take it seriously and put it to death? Well, it's because uh, time's going to run out. So he's saying, do it now while there's still time. That's the idea. So if it comes under the blood of Jesus, God's wrath won't be poured out upon, upon you. It was poured out upon Jesus on the cross. But if we don't turn from it, if we don't get rid of it, well, we, we better do that. We better do it now while there's still time. That's, that's the message of that section. The other reason, he actually gives us two reasons why we should deal with it all so drastically. The other one is verse 7. Uh, he says, we left that stuff behind anyway. Right? He says, we left those things in, in, in those you once walked. When you used to live in them. You used to live in those things, he says. So why would you go back to it now? Why would we go back to it now? Why, why those things were hurting us so much? They were so dangerous. They, they exposed us to the wrath of God and that potential. Why would we go back to those things now? That's, that's what he's saying there in, in verses 6 and 7. Uh, it would be like you, you're in a house and it catches fire. And, it, and you know, it's a really bad fire. And so you run out and you escape just barely, right? You escape with your life. And then you're standing there and you're watching the fire. And you're like, oh, I forgot. And you run back in. And you run back in for something trivial, right? If you run back in because, you know, there's a child inside, that's heroic. Amen, do that. But, but if you're, you're standing there watching the house burn and you remember that, you know, there's a plate of your favorite cookies on the counter, and you're like, oh, I forgot my cookies. And you go running back in for the cookies. That's not heroic, that's foolish, right? For, for a, a base, simple pleasure, you would risk everything. And I think that's the tone of verse 7. Don't do that, he says. That would, that would be a foolish thing to do. And so get rid of them, right? Don't, don't accommodate them. Don't put up with them. Get rid of them ruthlessly, ruthlessly eliminating them from our lives. That's the first picture. Then he switches to a different picture, and, and it's just as helpful, although it's not quite as intense. I think that he goes with that, that kill it, put it to death, so that we understand the seriousness of it. But now he's going to give us one that I think is maybe a little more helpful for kind of day-to-day -day life. Or it's a nice compliment to the kill it one, because he says, in addition to, you know, if, 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 you know, think about it as killing it, but then also think about removing it like old clothing. And, and that's the second one. Take it off like filthy, dirty, tattered, ripped, torn, useless old clothing. And that's what you get in verses 8, 9, and 10. Let me read those verses. He says, and now uh, you must put them all away. So he's still talking about the same sort of stuff, and he's going to actually pile on. He's going to add another list in a second. He says, now you must put them all away. Put them away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Uh, do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices, and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So he gives us another list, verses 8 and 9. And this list, 
Uh, we're not, we, so we, it's not only sexual sins, right? Sometimes people accuse Christians, that's all we think about. It's not. We, there's, there's lots of ways we can offend God. Uh, now he's going to focus on another set. And as I look at this set, it seems to me the thing that unites this next group is that there are all ways, sinful ways we respond when things don't go our way. We don't get what we want. And so we respond uh, one of these ways. And so he talks about anger. Right? Sometimes you know, things don't go our way and we get angry. Oh, oh, you know, I, I didn't get the raise even though I deserved it. Or, or that person took my parking spot. Or, uh, you know, there's, from the trivial to the, to the big, uh, we, we get angry sometimes when things don't go our way. Uh, wrath, rage, uh, is, is that, that's the next word he uses, wrath. It also means rage, which is an even more intense kind of anger. Uh, he uses the word malice. Uh, and that word means to be hateful, to, to be hateful toward other people. He talks about slander. How often when things don't go our way, we attack the person who we see as being at fault, and so we, we slander that person. We speak uh, in an abusive way, is what the word means, to speak in an abusive way about another person. Um, obscene talk, right? It's, just, it's, it's, it's exactly what you mean, exactly what you think. It's foul, dirty, abusive, cursing, um, right? How often when things don't go our way... Is there that temptation to respond with just a, a curse? So it's almost irrational, and yet, and yet that's sometimes what comes up. And then verse 9, he talks about lying. Right? Sometimes, sometimes that's our mechanism for dealing with it when things aren't going the way we want to. We don't like the truth, and so we try to alter the truth to fit the reality we wish was the case, and so we, and so we straight up lie. So it's all those sorts of things. And, and so Paul says, here's another list, and you need to do the same thing with those you did with the other ones. Different picture. He says, put them away. Put them away. Uh, and the word means, uh, you say, what does that mean? You mean put away like you tell a child to put away their toys? Well, that, that, that actually would, would work. But in, his, in this context, he's actually using it in the sense the word is used when it's used for clothing. Uh, and so in a general way, the word means to get rid of something or, or give it up. But when, in the Greek language, when you would use this word to talk about clothing, it was used to remove the clothing. So to take clothing off, to strip it off, or to remove the clothing. And, and so that is, that's the context here. You get it from verse 10. So verse 9, he says, put it off, take it off. Verse 10, he's going to say, put it on. And when he combines those two, it's very clear that's the picture he's working with. He's working with a picture of clothing, taking off old clothing, as the symbol of the old life, and we'll get to it in a minute, putting on new clothing, the new life. And so it's this picture of, of it's clothes. It's, it's, it's dirty clothes, inappropriate clothes, clothes that are not fitting to the Christian life. Uh, I'm sure I'm not the only one who does this, but when, uh, when I do like projects at home, uh, like household sort of things that are going to get dirty, <laughs> uh, I, I have work clothes that I like to put on, right? So, so uh, and I'm a little fussy that way. I don't like to get my regular clothes dirty, and so I'll, I'll put on work clothes if I'm going to work in the garden or something like that. Um, I especially do this with painting. It's a little bit of a family joke, actually. My wife will tell you I have a whole wardrobe dedicated to painting. Uh, they're my painting clothes. Not that I do a ton of painting, but that's a, that's a thing I can do, and so if you need to paint a wall or trim or something like that, I'm on the job. And, uh, and, and I'll get out my painting clothes, right? and, and I've got painting shirts, and they're paint all over them and painting shorts and painting jeans if it's colder and i've even got uh painting sneakers and painting socks because sometimes it gets a little messy right and, and you know it's, i don't want to get paint on my good socks so i'm gonna i'm gonna get paint on my painting socks but here's the thing when i'm done painting 
take them off, right? You don't wear your painting clothes to church or, or on a date with your wife or to a graduation ceremony, right? You should imagine showing up with a paint-covered T-shirt, you know, to your kid's graduation ceremony. You don't do that because it's not appropriate, right? Those clothing, that was, it was fitting to an old life, or in this case to painting, but, you know, Paul's, Paul's picture here is living all those sinful ways. That was, that was the way sinners live. People who reject God live that way. It's, it's fitting and it's warped away to that kind of life, but it's not fitting for us. And so he says, get rid of them, take them off, leave them behind. Maybe the Lord showed you something like that. During those, those, uh, those eight days, uh, that, that conference, the different sessions, maybe you only made it to one, maybe you made it to all eight or nine or however many there were in the end, uh, but maybe he showed you something that you need to put to death in your life. And maybe it's on one of these lists, maybe it's on a different list in the Bible somewhere, but it's something you need to leave behind. Uh, maybe it was a grudge that you've been nursing against somebody or a, a relationship that you've been hiding or a sin you've been covering up or putting up with in your life. Maybe he showed you something like that. If he did, don't just say, Phew, glad that thing's over and move on. Uh, make sure you obey. Walk in obedience to that thing that the Lord showed you. Get rid of those things because they don't fit. They don't fit our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. That's only half uh, the story, though. Uh, getting rid of the old clothes is only half the battle. We also need to put on the new ones, and, and we've already alluded to that in verse 10. Paul says, put off the old self, verse 9, put on the new self, uh, verse 10. And that brings us to the other side of obedience, uh, because first we get rid of the old, but then in their place we need to put on the new. And so the second side of obedience, as we think about what does it look like for you and me to walk in obedience with, to Jesus Christ in our daily lives, we need to get rid of that which doesn't fit. And this is what tells us what fits, just to be clear on that. The Bible is what tells us what fits. And we need to put on the things that do fit, that are right for a Christian. Uh, I want to be clear that all of this is done in the grace of God. It's all done by his empowerment. That's why Paul says the things he says. In verse 10, look what he says about the new self. The new self is being renewed after the image of its creator, right? And so the new self isn't coming from human goodness. This is where we would part ways with the Romans and their, their vice lists and their virtue lists. They also love to make lists of virtues, the Roman philosophers did. Uh, we're not going to go that way because we understand it's not just our own virtue. Uh, it's, it's that image of our creator who's being formed by the work of the Holy Spirit in us. So the, all of this that we're talking about now is, is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not moralism. It's not legalism. It's, it's the Spirit. It's a transformation that God is, is reeking, reeking, is making <laughs> in our life. He's, he's transforming us uh, for his glory. And, and that's what you read about in verses 12, 13, and 14. These are the things we put on. And so he says, I'm going to skip verse 11. It's an important verse, but uh, we'll, we'll jump to verse 12. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So, first thing to notice, and I just kind of said this, but it's so important I wanted to say it twice. The first thing to notice is that, it's, that our relationship with God is the foundation for this. And that's why he starts the way he starts. And so he says, so, as God's chosen ones, 
And so again, we're not talking legalism here. We're talking about an obedience that's going to come from who we are in God's eyes. So he chose us. Right? If you believe in Jesus Christ, if you put your faith in him, theologically, we would say, I don't care how you felt about it when it happened. What the Bible teaches is that God singled you out and gave you a favored position in his kingdom. You are a chosen one, which makes you very special to God. It means he set you apart for his own purposes. That's what it means when it says you are holy. And it means he loves you. That's the other word he uses, beloved or dearly loved. And so you are primary in God's affections. Uh, he, he loves you a lot. Right? And that's why we put on these, these good things that he talks about in the rest of the, the little section here. We put them on because this is how the God who loves us wants us to live. The God who chose us for himself. This is what he calls us to. What does he call us to? Well, it's, a, it's another list. It's not a comprehensive list, but it sure gives us the flavor. It starts with compassion. And he says, compassion. Put on compassionate hearts. Take off the, the anger and the malice and put on instead compassion. Right? Compassion toward, toward other people. And, and some people, some of you here need compassion for yourselves. Some of us need compassion for ourselves. I think that's included here. Compassion, mercy. Uh, mercy would be a good synonym for that word. Uh, it involves kindness. Put on kindness, he says. Uh, that's a word that actually combines goodness and graciousness. So you take the idea of being good, treating someone well, and then at bringing in kind of grace that's undeserved. Uh, that's that word kindness. You know, kindness is undeserved, uh, undeserved goodness toward other people. Uh, he uses, uh, it, it involves humility. He actually uses two words here that um, both have the nuance of humility to them, humility and meekness, that he being gentle with other people. And so this is someone who um, is going to think about others and put others ahead of him or herself. Not that we don't think of ourselves, but it, as Paul says in Philippians 2, we're putting, putting uh, other people ahead of ourselves. Not thinking so highly of ourselves that we elevate ourselves, but, but rather in humility, we think of others as better than ourselves, he says. And he talks about patience, right? And, and just to be clear, the, the word patience that he uses here, sometimes we think of patience as a passive thing, uh, but biblical patience is not passive, right? That, yeah, that's apathy. <laughs> uh, passive patience is apathy, but, but active patience is what the Bible describes. It's, it's an active um, engaging with and being patient, uh, I, I can't remember if this is that exact word, but one of the, the New Testament words for patience I always think of is, is, the, is uh, strength under control, and the, it's used for animals, like you would use it of a horse, like a, a horse that you're, you've harnessed and you're having that horse help you plow. Um, that's strength, but it's under control. That's what that word patience means. So it's intentional, it's powerful, it's active. All of those together... Uh, lead to two actions. Look at the two actions he describes here. They're both in verse 13, uh, and they are both, they're both oriented to the community. They both have to do with how we treat each other in our, our church, but it also in our homes, our families, and so on. The first is we bear with one another, and, and it just means straight up to, to put up with people. Right? We, we just put up with one another. We, we, uh, the word means to exercise self-restraint and tolerance toward another person. And so we bear with one another. That's what flows out of. That's what we're putting on. We're putting on a, an intentional decision to bear with one another. Uh, and then the other action, he goes, it gets even bigger. It's, it's like he keeps ratcheting. Every, 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 every phrase makes it a little higher. Uh, he says, we also, so we bear with one another. We also forgive each other. Uh, if one has a complaint against another, Paul says, forgive each other. 
And then, he, and then he raises it even higher. He puts the bar even higher. Uh, by the way, when I say forgiveness, I mean your model is God's forgiveness for you. And so he says, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And so the idea is that we need to forgive each other with the same mercy. Right? Think about this in your marriage. Think about this for how you feel about your parents or your children or your siblings or the person in your small group who insulted you two weeks ago, whatever it is. Uh, that person at work, uh, we need to forgive each other with the same mercy and compassion and kindness and humility that Jesus shows to us when he, in all of his holiness and perfection, forgives us. That, that's what you get there at the end of verse 13. And then verse 14, he says, all of that is summed up in love. Verse 14, he says, above all these, and I take that to be a, a summary phrase. Uh, love is, lo you could put everything in verses 12 and 13 under the heading love. So above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And so that's what we put on instead. We take off the rage and the anger and the lust and the sinful desires and all the rest, and we put on instead God's love. That's the new outfit. That's the new clothing. And God's love, he's, I think he holds love to verse 14. Why don't you just start with verse 14? I think he holds it to verse 14 because he wants us to see from verses 12 and 13 how practical God's love really is. Right? How, what does God's love look like? Well, God's love shows compassion to the people who are hurting. God's love is kind uh, to other people, even when they're not kind to us. It's, it's humble uh, even when they're not humble toward us, right? It's easy to be humble with someone who's humble, right? It's like, you know, you're arguing over who pays the lunch. You know, I want to pay it. No, no, well, I got it, I got it. You know, you go back and forth. Uh, it's much harder when uh, one person's really prideful and you're supposed to, 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 to respond in humility. But that's what God's love does. He came in humility when you and I were still entrenched in our pride. Uh, his love is patient. His love puts up with us. Uh, our quirks, our foibles, our failures, all the rest. And he forgives God's love forgives. And so we, grabbing a hold of that, that's what we, by his grace, by his Holy Spirit living within us, that's what we clothe ourselves with. We clothe ourselves with that forgiveness. Something we receive from him, and then also something we offer to each other. Maybe the Lord challenged you with something like that at the summit conference. And like I say, maybe you only made a couple of the services, maybe you're here for all of them, but somewhere in there, he challenged you with something that he wants you to put on, something that he wants you to add to the wardrobe. Uh, maybe it's, a, a, it's reconciliation in a relationship that has been broken. Maybe, he, he's, he, and maybe you've already taken care of it, but maybe you know the person's far away or you just haven't been able to get there yet, but, but maybe it's something like that. There was a hurt that you need to forgive, or maybe you were the one who did the hurting and you have to go and ask forgiveness. We had a sermon on each of those during that conference. Maybe it's something like that. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's something different. We didn't talk too much about this, but maybe it's like a, a habit you were convicted God wants you to add. And when I say habit, I mean like spiritual discipline. It's something like, you know, reading, reading, reading scripture, spending more time in scripture. You know, go ahead and take Andrew up on that challenge. I think that's a wonderful idea. Uh, but maybe it's a smaller amount of scripture, but, but something you, you were just convicted over the course of that week that God wants you to, to take his word more seriously. Or maybe it was something to do with prayer as we had different prayer times, and, and, and you just felt that. You know, I've been, I've been relying on arrow prayers for the last six months or the last year. You know, arrow prayers, you know, you're kind of doing your thing, and you kind of shoot up a, God, help me, and you, know, you shoot the little arrow prayer, and then you get back to what you're doing. Those are great. God hears those from his children. But, but at the same time, he calls us into something more robust, something uh, more, uh, 
more vivid, something more real, or real is the wrong word, but something that's more relational with him. And so maybe that's what he laid on your heart. Like I say, 150 different people, there might be 150 different applications, but whatever it is he said to you, whatever the Lord spoke to your heart, don't just put it back on the shelf. Make sure you obey. Make sure that you are walking in obedience to what the Lord showed you. As we close this morning, I, uh, I want to invite you to join me on a little spiritual exercise. Uh, it's summer. Summer is a good time for exercise, or it will be very quickly. Uh, you may have noticed this insert in the bulletins this morning. There were a few inserts in there. Um, in addition to my normal sermon outline, uh, there's a little two-page, it's two columns. It's lists, <laughs> lists. And it actually comes from this book. So if you were at any of the days of the conference, you had an opportunity to get one of these books and it's pages 38 and 39 in the book, so I printed it out. If you don't have your book or if you lost it or threw it away or whatever, now you've got the list. But, um, and I did get permission to copy this. Ryan said we could copy it, so there's no, no issue with that. But um, here's what I'm going to do. So, so if Ryan had preached last Sunday evening, uh, he was going to work with this somehow, this list. I don't know what he would have done with it. I don't know if he would have made us sit there and meditate through it like he did some of the other nights. or if he would. I, I don't know what he would have done with it. So I'll just tell you what I'm going to do with it. Uh, I'm, I'm going to uh, pray through this thing. I'm going to pray through these two pages in my own devotions over the next few weeks. This is not a one-time list. Uh, right? I'm going to just bang this out in time, 10 minutes before I go to work some morning, that kind of thing. Uh, in fact, I suspect I won't get through more than one or two lines at a time uh, looking at these things. Uh, but uh, that's how I'm going to work on this. I want to look at these and I want to pray through them, some of these verses and look at what God's word calls me to put off and what he calls me to put on. And you don't have to do that, but I just wanted you to, I'm going to challenge you with it and invite you to join me in doing that. Uh, we will not go over it together. As, as you know, I'm going to be gone for several weeks. Uh, but between you and God, that's a good way. If you're like, where do I go next with this? Uh, if you had something specific, do that specific thing. But if you didn't, maybe take pages 38 and 39. You could take the printout copy or take the book, keep it with your Bible, and just over the course of the next couple of months, maybe pray through some of those and see what the Lord might say to you in terms of walking in obedience. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, we do thank you this morning for... Um, just a great time that we did have a couple of weeks ago. What a joy it was to, to worship you in uh, extra times. You know, we kind of go through the week and maybe we listen to worship music or we hum some things, but what a joy it was to gather together a bunch of days in a row. And uh, we just thank you for that. Uh, thank you for the word that we heard, for the times of fellowship. It was a rich time set apart. And I want to pray for myself and for my brothers and sisters who are hearing this sermon that you would Help us now to put these things into practice. Help us to walk in obedience to what you are calling us to do, to what you may have shown us during that time, uh, whether it was something we need to put off or something we need to put on or maybe a little bit of both. I pray that you will uh, keep working on us in the, in the weeks ahead. This is what we pray, and we ask it in the name of Jesus, our great God and King, and also our Savior. <laughs>